It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday Show. Can't wait. Can't, 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 can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Push ahead, Ingles finds Gobert at the rim. One second left in the quarter for a slam dunk. Conley rolling, lobbing, Gobert dunking. Clarkson driving on Cunningham, in the lane. Puts up a right-hander, off the back rim, bounces three times, no good. Gobert clears it, lays it up and in. Here's the snap, feed the ball, the play action thing, Thousand with a caught ball, easy touchdown. Easy touchdown, Gronkowski. Execute the play action fake, and Brady just dumps one over the middle to a wide open Rob Gronkowski. Joe Burrow is ready. Hopkins snaps it back. Burrow drops back to throw. Looking, rolling out to the right, still looking downfield. Burrow throws it toward the back yeah. of the end zone. Boy yeah. leaps. He makes the catch. Third down and 20 for the Chiefs. With the Steeler 48. DJ Watt for the right shoulder of Mahomes. In the pocket, step up, firing down the near side, Kelsey at the 20, 15 to the 10, and into the end zone, touchdown, Kansas City! Steelers show a four-man defensive front, trying to build a wall, now they're going to throw it long, the Chiefs want Tyreek Hill, over the shoulder, touchdown, Kansas City, and Mahomes is on fire! Shotgun Sam, Allen back to throw, sets up deep, has all day long, takes a look into the end zone, looking for Sanders, he's got him! Touchdown Buffalo, Emmanuel Sanders, a 34-yard touchdown catch from Josh Allen. He was wide open. Allen goes shotgun now, Singletary off his right shoulder. Diggs goes in motion to the right. Now the snap, and Josh waiting to throw it. Fires towards the two-yard line, caught by Gabriel Davis. Scoots into the end zone, touchdown Buffalo, again. Welcome into the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Hope you all are doing great on this Saturday morning. Uh, beautiful weather outside, all things considered. A storm came through yesterday and stirred up the air a little bit, so some of the haze gone. I'm Jay Catch. Thank you for taking some time on this Saturday morning to join us. Our good friend Eric Jensen behind the glass producing for us this morning. Eric, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. That's good. That's what we like to hear. So we got plenty to get to ahead on today's show, but first off, I want to remind you guys that the Saturday show is proudly presented by our friends at Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. All right, a little bit of a roadmap where we're going on today's show. We got Utah Jazz to talk about. They get a victory last night over the Detroit Pistons, getting some revenge for the loss they took out there in Detroit just a couple weeks ago. We'll also talk about the NFL, a huge uh, weekend of NFL football. Divisional round playoffs begins this afternoon. Two games today, two games tomorrow. We'll preview that. We'll also get to our some of our staples, technical fouls, five minutes of. 
And we're also going to replay a conversation that David James had with Lincoln Kennedy earlier this week on DJ and PK in the morning. Uh, Lincoln obviously is a great, great football mind. He is an analyst on Las Vegas Raiders radio broadcast, which you actually can hear on the zone. He'll recap the Raiders season, but also preview the divisional round of the playoffs. So you'll be able to hear that conversation. We'll play that at 11 o'clock. So we've got plenty to get to ahead on today's show. Eric, I want to ask you a very important question as we kick off today's show, though. What was the highlight of your week? Ooh, the highlight of my week. Because uh-huh. I like to highlight people's weeks on this show. That's what, kind of my, one of my goals with this. All right. Well, uh, back to school. Okay. So that, I mean, that that's kind of a... A little bit of a down note. A little bit of a down note. But uh, let's see here. I, um... Oh, this is really bad. Really bad that I don't really have a highlight of my week. I will say the highlight of my week uh-huh. was for transition purposes, uh, watching the Jazz win last night. It was nice okay. to nice to see things get turned around, just even just a little bit. Oh, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. And we're going to talk about the Jazz here uh, a lot today. I'm with you on that. It was nice to see them get back to being a little more of what we expect they can be, what they have been this season. Besides the, what was it, six losses in the last seven games, it had been seven of ten since the new year started. It's been kind of a rough month for the Utah Jazz. And we talked about this in December, where this month was going to be a rough one for the Utah Jazz, and so far it has been that. And we're going to talk about a huge week ahead uh, for the Utah Jazz. They're going to face the other top three teams in the Western Conference. The Jazz currently sitting in fourth in the Western Conference. We'll talk more about that and how they're going to face all three of those teams, one of them twice in, in Phoenix here in just a little bit. Uh, Eric obviously is a very bright mind when it comes to NFL stuff. I know you've been tweeting a lot about how many sports you've been watching recently, and it's actually kind of funny for me to to see your tweets about that because you, you essentially sound like I'm just I'm just laying here on my couch. It makes it what you sound like. But I, I know you're not necessarily just doing that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard. It's hard <laughs> watching. I just came to this realization the other day. I was like, Man, I watch sports like every night. Like, well, welcome to our job, dude. Like, it's a lot of work. Like, it never really stops. It doesn't. Like, like it, 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 I'm just drowning in sports. Uh, but you know, this week wasn't quite that. But I watched the Jazz and you know, a lot of college basketball this week. But okay, uh, no, no. The the more interesting thing is I have a problem when it comes to tweeting. Uh, I tweet <laughs> a lot. I went through, I, I, I thought I was tweeting less, and I was for a while, but right. then NFL wildcard weekend hit, and right. um, I'll just get let you guess. How many tweets, I counted, how many tweets did I send Jeez. between Saturday morning of wildcard weekend and Monday night? Okay, so so we're encompassing all six games last weekend, yes. is what we're talking about. Okay, wow. Um... 133. A little too high. 116. Still, that's a lot. Close. <laughs> I'm a volume shooter. Not really a quali- not really a quality shooter, but a volume shooter, that's for sure. All right. Qual- quantity over quality is Eric's motto. We I like guess. that. All right. Well, let's kick off the show. Let's talk a little Utah Jazz. Let's get to the NFL. And we start the show as we do each week right here by talking about what's the big deal. Do you know who I am? No. I I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. 
I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> That open will never get old. All right, let's talk about the Utah Jazz here for a moment. Uh, big win last night for the Utah Jazz. Get to the 30-win platform. Uh, so last night they beat the Detroit Pistons 111-110. to And I felt like last night's game actually showed us a little bit of progression for this team in the sense that, of course, they snap a three-game home skid. Uh, they haven't been as elite as they typically are at home. Uh, so far this season. Uh, They also, I felt like, show that their small ball lineup is continuing to make strides. Of course, the Utah Jazz are still dealing with injury concerns and also COVID-19 issues. Hassan Whiteside missed last night's game. Donovan Mitchell out due to concussion protocol. So I I felt like last night's game was a step in the right direction, and I was actually listening. I don't know how many people actually listen to this. It's one of my favorite uh, parts of David Locke's podcast, Locked on Jazz, is he does what they call postcasts, and he does the the short-form immediate reaction to the game at hand. So they did one last night, him and Ron Boone, they do it after every Jazz game. I was listening to it on my way in this morning, and Ron Boone had the same thought that I had, so I'll I'll give him credit on this. The, The thought was that, Sometimes, just sometimes, and this can be true in any sport that you play, whether it's golf, football, tiddlywinks, tennis, whatever it might be, sometimes it's good for you as a competitor to play an opponent or a team who is lesser than, and you can go out and just get a win. You're expected to win that game. You go out and get the win, especially after a stretch where you have been struggling mightily. Just getting that win, seeing your team have success, I think it was a long way to restoring some confidence in that squad. And I thought that's what the Utah Jazz did last night. They restored a lot of confidence in themselves because they have got an absolutely critical stretch of games this coming week, beginning tomorrow night when they are out there in the Bay Area. They'll be in San Francisco to take on the Golden State Warriors uh, coming up later in the week. So Monday night, so Sunday night against Golden State, Monday night back-to-back, they fly immediately to Phoenix to take on the Suns. The Jazz and the Suns then will come here to Salt Lake City for a rematch on Wednesday. And then, oh yes, uh, later in the week you also have the Memphis Grizzlies who are also running currently in the top four of the Western Conference. You've got a huge week ahead, Eric, but we'll talk more. We'll look forward more here in a moment. You mentioned that you felt like it was one of the highlights you were to see the Jazz win last night. What did you feel like was the were the, I guess, the positives coming out of this game for the Jazz? Well, I think when you're a team that has struggles, you have to look for your leaders. Sure. And I think the leaders in this game stepped up. And that, that leader is Rudy Gobert, who finished the night with 24 points, 14 boards. That's a really good night for Rudy. He hasn't been having as great numbers going into this game, but he stepped it up, and he kind of helped stabilize the ship. As well, you know, Boyan did a solid job providing good offense, which he's done really well throughout this stretch where they've been missing key players here and there for it seems like the last three weeks at this point Mm -hmm. um 23 points for him so i was impressed by that i i thought that you know the leaders and the the people on the team who are expected to score points when guys like donovan mitchell are out of the lineup and injured did so Oh, I, I would completely agree with that. I, I felt like one of the most pivotal plays late in that game was uh, a play where 
I can't, I'm trying to remember the exact scenario. So Jordan Clarkson, I believe, flies in for a rebound, dribbles out, and he's he's going to go back out and reset the offense. It was what it appeared like. And then he sees, I think it was Rodney Magruder was hit, was guarding him, and Rodney Magruder overplayed uh, him as he retreated out to the three-point line. Well, I felt like Jordan Clarkson realized that, and I felt like I watched it. He realized that Magruder overplayed his hand on that. He whirls back into the lane, goes up and scores a bucket. I felt like the in some ways sealed that win for the Jazz. And I thought that was as kind of back to your point here, Eric. Is yes, Donovan Mitchell, who is the leading scorer for this team, he is kind of the metronome that makes this team go. But he's out due to concussion protocols currently, and they had other guys step up in his absence. Boyan Bogdanovich, I thought, played a pretty big role in this. Jordan Clarkson stepped up. Uh, Rudy Gobert had a, had a season high twenty four points in this game. So you're right. People who needed to step up in the absence of Donovan Mitchell did exactly that, and it was just nice to see them get out there, beat a team that they should beat. They should have beat the Pistons in Detroit. Was, I don't know how many games ago that, that game was. It wasn't too long ago. They should have beat Detroit out there. And Detroit gave the Jazz everything they could handle, but I felt like the Jazz said, you know what, we are not about to lose this game. Let's just handle our business, and we move on now. There are still issues. Sure, yeah, you absolutely. Know, we got to get healthy first off. They they do have to get healthy, but um, I, I wanted to ask you okay. because I know you watch a lot, you know, closer than I do. If you had to pinpoint over these six of seven losses, what what is the issue for this Jazz team? And this this game was at one point a, a Pistons lead. They, yes. they led in the second half at one point. They went on a 13-4 run to start the third quarter. They'd been down, uh, I believe they were down 8 or 9 at the half, and they took a lead in the right. second half. And they and they made that third quarter, they made the Jazz sweat. They made the Jazz work for it. Because in some ways, the Jazz came out in that third quarter like, alright, these guys are going to roll over. They didn't roll over. And they forced the Jazz to go out and beat them. And the Jazz, to their credit, did that. Alright, continue. Well, no, I just okay. wonder what you think the, what, what, what you think the major issue is other than health. Well, so the biggest thing, a lot, of, yeah. a lot of teams aren't healthy. Yeah, the biggest thing right now for the Utah Jazz is their defense, the, operating as a unit. The Utah Jazz defense, and Quinn Snyder goes to this time and time again. You can ask him any question, and I, I'm a broken record on this, and it's something I learned from DJ, and I've listened to enough post game <laughs> press conferences from Quinn Snyder that I, I've noticed it myself. You can ask him anything about offense. You can ask him. Your offense was great tonight. You know what he's going to point back to? Defense. His team and this Utah Jazz squad have prided themselves on defense since he arrived here in Utah nine years ago now, eight years ago. I don't know how long the Quinn Snyder tenure has been, but it's been it's been a hot minute. He won his 200th game, uh, 200th home game as Utah Jazz head coach last night. So congratulations to him on that milestone. But he has pointed time and time again to defense. And the biggest issue for the Jazz is that as a team, they have not defended together as a unit as you would have expected and hoped for in this most recent stretch. So now I believe it's uh, so it's eight losses in their last 11 games, I believe since the new year began after last night. Or, I think I did the math right. Don't, don't do math on air. That's one thing to learn, Eric. DJ taught me that as well. Don't do math on air. No, so. <laughs> but anyways... The defense has not been there. And we saw some public sniping going on in, in press conferences. Rudy Gobert calling his teammates uh, asking for more perimeter uh, defense. And the biggest thing about defense is there's two things that I have noticed that are required. And my playing experience in basketball does not go beyond the high school level. I, I've played in church leagues, rec leagues, beyond high school, but that's not high-level hoop. But I've watched enough, and there are two things that go into defense, especially at the NBA level, that – 
some guys are willing to do. A guy like Rudy Gobert, he does this every night. Two things. Effort and desire. You have to want to be good at playing defense. You have to want to be a good def- good defender. It also requires effort and energy. You have to expend a lot of energy to be an elite defensive player on the other end of the court. Another guy on the Jazz I feel like buys into this because it's how he has earned his spot in the NBA or under spot with the Utah Jazz is Royce O'Neal. Royce O'Neal takes pride in defending the other team's leading scorer or best player. So last night uh, with the Detroit Pistons, it was Cade Cunningham. And Cade Cunningham cooked the Utah Jazz when they played in Detroit just a couple weeks ago. Uh, There's 24 points in that game, and he was unstoppable in that second half. And Royce O'Neal struggled mightily in that game. Last night, Cade Cunningham did get his. I believe it was 25 points for him in that loss. Yeah, he led the Pistons with 25 points in the loss. But I felt like the defensive effort from Royce O'Neal on Cade Cunningham when he was on him was much better. So I think the biggest thing right now is if you want to point to one thing, it's been about the defense. I felt like the defense was better last night. I thought they were more cohesive as a unit. Guys on the perimeter were literally, not literally, they were they were doing their best to stop the guy in front of them. There have been some games in this stretch where the Utah Jazz, that perimeter defense is a ole, and Rudy Gobert, clean up my mess behind me. Rudy is happy to do that, but he also, at the same time, he gets pulled out of position, and you're expecting him to recover to that spot? You're asking a whole lot of the best defensive player in the world. Yeah, and also as as many stats as people want to throw out there, like mm-hmm. Rudy is just objectively not a good perimeter defender. He like, okay, and objectively, okay, I, I get what you're saying. He's actually better than you would expect, though. At the same time, right? But is he though? Because that's what they what happened in the playoffs last year. I just I don't understand that argument that people like David Locke make, where they point at these perimeter defensive stats for Rudy Gobert, but when he gets pulled out of position in the playoffs to go play guys like Terrence Mann coming off to the wing, like he 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 is at a clear disadvantage. And like when you watch him go out and defend the perimeter, he's at a clear disadvantage, I think, because of his length, to be honest well, with you. He's seven foot one. Right. And so the thing is, you expect Rudy Gobert to be worse on the perimeter than he is. I, I'm not saying that he's a good perimeter defender. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say he's but he is better than you would expect. Okay. And I and a lot of people like to point back to the Clippers series last year. We need to flip over to the NFL. Last thing on this. Uh, with the perimeter defense for the Clippers series, I feel like Quinn Snyder and his staff learned some things that they have literally and figuratively tried to implement in this year's team. And some of the things have flopped. Other things, I think, are starting to take hold. The biggest thing you're seeing is, Eric Paschal, you're seeing Rudy Gay playing that f- small ball five out off five, five out offense five out defense where it's a completely switching defense. That's the one thing last night. I I, I forgot, forgot to bring this up on the defensive end last night when Rudy Gay and or Eric Paschal were playing that five. So when Rudy Gobert went out of the lineup when he was on the bench getting his rest, they went to that five out lineup and they switched everything. That is a defense that I cannot recall the Utah Jazz having played in the entirety of Quinn Snyder's tenure as head coach of the Utah Jazz. It is something that teams like the Golden State Warriors last year with the Los Angeles Clippers against the Utah Jazz in the second round of the NBA playoffs have used to great effect against the Utah Jazz and to great effect across the league. It is something I think Quinn Snyder noticed, the front office noticed it, and they went about putting together a roster that was capable 
of playing in that style. Is it to the level that the Warriors and or the Clippers, when they're at full strength, are capable of playing? No, it is not. It may never get to that level, but if it can be a serviceable lineup, and in the case you're bringing up here, Eric, where Terrence Mann is cooking you and pulling Rudy Gobert out to the perimeter and it's causing all kinds of issues for the Jazz defense, they in theory, should be able to switch to this lineup, this five-out lineup, this this small ball lineup, and be able to go and go toe-to-toe with those teams and be able to go back and forth with those teams. That is the hope. And I think they learned some things from last year's playoff failures that they have implemented on this year's team, implemented into this year's roster. So hopefully we never see that again. I would agree with that. They I I, I you know, I that was something I think I brought up last time I was on here was I really enjoyed Eric Pascal's defense, so I, I, I think that makes sense. And Eric Pascal last night only played, I think, 15 minutes. I'm pulling it up here. Uh, 16 minutes in the game. He was one of three from the field, three points. But I feel like Pascal, he has got a ton of energy. And there are a lot of fans out there who have been crowing and crowing and crowing on social media. Why isn't Eric, Eric Pascal getting more minutes? Eric Pascal understands his role on this team. He does bring energy. He is actually a lot better than I think almost anybody would have expected joining this roster. And I think he has worked his way into being a rotation player. But as Quinn Snyder has acknowledged multiple times, and he acknowledged it yesterday, it's hard to play 10 or 11 guys in the NBA and expect to have the continuity, the success, the overall uh, just, uh, I don't know how, how to describe it. It's hard to play that many guys and expect everybody to be hunky-dory with it and at the same time have the continuity and the overall effectiveness on your roster. Quinn Snyder, in his run as a head coach, rarely has played more than 10 guys in a rotation. He likes to keep it to eight or nine guys. That's his rotation. That's kind of his core unit. And I've, I've seen people saying, well, Rudy Gay's not playing as well as he should be, so put Eric Pascal in there. They actually used both of them last night. They had to. Trent Forrest, well, why are they not giving Eric Trent Trent Forrest minutes to Eric Pascal. Trent Forrest is on the court for one specific reason, folks. It is to spell a guy like Mike Conley and spare his hamstrings all of the abuse they took last year, which, by the way, was a huge component in the fact that they lost in the second round of the playoffs last year. I really actually admire what Quinn Snyder and this front office with the Utah Jazz have tried to do because they have tried to revamp this roster to make sure guys like Mike Conley are 100% come playoff time, but at the same time getting effective play from guys when they are called upon, in this case Eric Paschal, that they come in and have an impact. It's fun to see Eric Paschal, plus 15 in the plus minus, and I know that the plus minus is not the end-all be-all with hoops, but he had an impact last night, and that was a positive sign. All right. That is the siren to flip over, uh, but we're up against it here. So, Eric, we're going to take a timeout. We'll come back. We're going to talk about the NFL Divisional Playoffs here and what's the big deal. We'll get to it on the other side. want to remind you guys that Valentine's Day is just weeks away, and Jimmy's Flowers can make it easier with their two dozen rose special for just $49.99 or the Simply Elegant base for $44.95. Order today at jimmysflowers.com or visit their stores in Bountiful, Layton, or Ogden. That's our friends at Jimmy's Flowers. All right, we will flip over and talk a little bit about the divisional round of the NFL playoffs here in a moment. This is the Saturday Show right here on the Zone Sports Network. Cougars and Aggies, even on the weekend. Weekend! You're locked on to the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. (laughs) 
Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Thanks for joining us. Jay Catch, Eric Jensen along for the ride on this Saturday morning. Hope you all are doing great out there. The sun is shining here along the Wasatch Front or wherever you guys might be. Hope you all are doing great. Whatever you might be doing here on this Saturday, whether it's the honey-do list, you're out and about just driving around, or if you're just kicking back on a Saturday morning, thank you for tuning in. All right. I uh, meant to get to this in the first segment because what's the big deal? We usually like to hit on two of the major topics or the two major topics of the show, but a little extended uh, talk on the Utah Jazz there. So let's flip over now and talk a little bit about the NFL divisional round of the playoffs uh, that will begin this afternoon. We've got two games today, two games tomorrow, and I am very excited for these matchups. I'm actually looking at the lo- the matchups across the board. I think it is going to be a phenomenal weekend of football. And that's what I'm sincerely hoping for, at least. Uh, we're going to kick things off this afternoon with the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the number one seed in the AFC, the Tennessee Titans, who Derrick Henry is back for. He has not played since uh, week eight. So let's start there, Eric. What should the expectation be if you're a Titans fan for Henry's return after missing half of, actually, I guess more than half of the season at this point? What should they expect from him going into this matchup against Cincinnati? Well, he has a metal plate in his foot. Uh, you've, you've been listening to David James, apparently. So uh, <laughs> he said, "He's like, yeah, I got a metal plate in my foot." It's like that doesn't sound pleasant, but hey. <laughs> yeah, he's he's got a metal plate in his foot, but Derek Henry is just one of the toughest like players yeah. in the NFL, just the way he plays. So. I kind of don't see that being an issue for him uh, and more overblown. If anybody could run for like 130 yards and two touchdowns with a steel plate in his foot, it's probably Derrick Henry. There are few people in this world, and I, I'd probably be with you on that. Um, so I, I would not be too worried about that. I think if he feels like he's ready to play, I think he'll be ready to play. Okay, so here, here's my thing, though. Okay, Ryan Tannehill is a serviceable quarterback. And I got to give full credit to the entire brain trust of the Tennessee Titans for them holding things together when Derrick Henry went out due to injury and winning that number one seed. That that was an impressive, impressive display of holding your team together when they easily could have just fallen apart. I'm just not a believer in Ryan Tannehill in the playoffs here. And if I'm a Tennessee Titans fan, I'm terrified that Tennessee is going to sell out to stop that run game and force Ryan Tannehill to beat you with his arm. And in that case, I go advantage Cincinnati. I kind of disagree on that. Okay. Because we've seen Ryan Tannehill win with his arm in the playoffs before on several other deep Titans playoff runs. Like... Yes, the running game and ball possession is the main factor in the Tennessee Titans offense. But Ryan Tannehill is a guy where if you give weapons around him, he will be able to make plays. And I think they've found weapons down the stretch. A.J. Brown is an incredible wide receiver and has played really well after he's gotten healthy here down the stretch. Anthony Ferkser has become a major part of the passing game. They're tight sure, end. yeah. Uh, you look at Julio. Julio gave them his best game of the year to end the season. Now, Julio's a big question mark. He's been largely terrible throughout the entire year. But if you can get two or three good Julio Jones plays, that gives you another weapons. Add that with the fact that they've got depth in the backfield now that they can use 
pa- for pass catching stuff be- because of the Derrick Henry injury. You're not wrong that Joe Burrow is the better quarterback mm-hmm. in in the matchup, but Ryan Tannehill has shown time and again that he is a perfectly capable top ten adjacent NFL quarterback. You think he's a top ten NFL quarterback? Absolutely. Most oh. analysts across, if, and that's the consensus amongst most analysts. I if guess that's just at, that's my personal opinion on if this. If you look at quarterback rankings and people who do that like Greg Rosenthal and Benjamin Solak like mm-hmm. they consistently have Ryan Tannehill ranked from 11th to 13th in okay. the NFL like he is he is there he is in he is a better passer like if you're we're, we're talking about the tiers of quarterbacks he's not in your top tier of quarterbacks like a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes or a Tom Brady but he's above guys like Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr, in my opinion. He's better than Jimmy Garoppolo, who we're going to talk about here in a minute. <laughs> he is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, but, okay, I get what you're saying. I just I feel like Cincinnati's got something cooking here. And they got over the hump finally last week, the first playoff win in 31 years. There's not been a text message sent that in history that had the Cincinnati Bengals having won a playoff game. That was a legit thing going into last week's game. I, I've Man... It feels like it just feels like to me that Cincinnati has a real upset potential in this game to me, and that's just my personal opinion. Let's flip over to the other game here and talk about the other game tonight. Uh, that would be the San Francisco 49ers heading to Lambeau to take on the number one seed in the NFC. That'd be the Green Bay Packers. And Eric, uh, I don't think it's any secret that I am a San Francisco 49ers fan. If if I'm breaking news to anybody listening to the show, yes, I am a dyed in the wool through and through 49ers fan. The 49ers against uh, Aaron Rodgers are 3-0 and in the playoffs in his career. Yeah. You know, that's the one thing I keep thinking about. But. that's, that's a, My mind just keeps flashing back to San Francisco running all over him in the conference championship game like two years ago. They did it, and they did. And there is a history between these two. And the funny thing about it, as a 49ers fan, I saw, I saw the 49ers play the Dallas Cowboys last week in one of the just most weird, stupid games I've ever watched, at least in recent memory. And as a kid who grew up in the 90s watching the Niners, the Cowboys, and now the Packers, they were like the triumvirate that kept beating up on each other in the 90s. I'm being thrown back to that era right now because they played the Cowboys last week, speaking of San Francisco. Now they're headed to Lambeau to take on the Packers. Green Bay, and I feel like... let me let me know your thought on this, Eric. I feel like when the when the wild card round plays out, and in this case this year we had an extra team, so only the top seeds got the buy this year. So the Tennessee and Green Bay got the got the buy, and I feel like when they're out of sight, out of mind, when they get that buy, we kind of forget about how good both of these teams were. And maybe that's going into my thought about why I think Cincinnati can beat Tennessee. But as a 49ers fan who is just waiting for this to implode. Green Bay has been so good all year long. I just don't see a way for the 49ers to win this game outside of them doing what you talked about a couple, was it two or three years ago? Probably should have looked that up, where they ran all over them. The 49ers' run game is going to have to be dominant to win this game because you put this on the arm of Jimmy Garoppolo, we saw last week how quickly quickly it can go south on you. Not going to go well for you. (laughs) Uh, I think I'm more optimistic about the closeness of this game than you are. Okay. I just feel like one 
rest first rust is a stupid sports radio debate, but one that I kind of believe in. And the Packers, the last time they played against the Lions in the first half, their starters didn't look the greatest. They sure. looked like they didn't really want to be there. Now, well, granted, they probably week, didn't want to be that, there. That's, that's week 18. But I think that there's a real chance that San Francisco just comes out and Kyle Shanahan has an unreal game script and they punch him in the mouth twice have two long possession running drives, somehow get a stop against Aaron Rodgers, and then suddenly you're in a 10-point deficit early. I could see that happening. Okay. Now, here's the part where I think the Packers will win. I think a, a, a really unreported part of this matchup is, like, the San Francisco Niners, San Francisco 49ers, pardon me, they they do not really have cornerbacks. They don't. Like they don't like who who's gonna cover Devontae Adams in this game? Um it's gonna be like, like Emmanuel Mosley? Like Probably. He's probably gonna be the first guy to give it a shot. Like what are we doing here? Like that that's not gonna go well for Emmanuel Mosley. If you've paid attention to mock drafts, the Niners give up the first round pick this year in the whole trade to get Trey Lance. They're, everybody, if you look at mock drafts for the Niners, their first pick, whenever I, I think it's in the second round or third round this year, it's a cornerback almost across the board because everybody knows that the Niners, their cornerback unit is just flaming heap of garbage level. Yeah, so um, Alan Lazard has also really turned into a number two threat. Yeah. I believe he has five touchdowns through the last eight games of the season. Uh I don't see how the secondary slows down Aaron Rodgers. So, but the the Packers offensive line, they get David Bakhtiari back, uh-huh. but Aaron Rodgers has done a good job of managing pressures and not, and being kind of a game manager and not taking sacks all year. But if you have Nick Bosa back in this game and that defensive line is playing like they did last week, I think you can get some pressure on Aaron Rodgers, and that's when things can kind of go your way. I think this is a very close game. I ultimately think the Packers win, but I think it's very close. All right, we will see. All right, slip over and talk tomorrow. Uh, By the way, um, it's fun to look at the Niners' cornerback depth chart. Manuel Mosley, K1 Williams, Diamondo Lenore, Darquez Denard, Josh Norman. Oh, wait, uh, the shell of himself. Josh Norman. Ambry Josh Thomas. Norman hasn't been good since about 2016. I'm, I'm aware. Ambry <laughs> Thomas and Dante Johnson. That's the cornerback unit for the, for the 49ers. Good luck to San Francisco. All right, uh, let's flip over and talk about tomorrow's games. Uh, in the NFC, you're going to have the Los Angeles Rams at the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think this game, similar to what you were talking about here, Eric, where where you expect you're saying 49ers Packers is close. This is a game that if we get the good version of uh of Matthew Stafford, it'll be a good game. If the Matthew Stafford that has shown up about half the year this year, Tampa Bay is going to run away in a romp, I feel like. Yeah, in an effort to speak better on this program, I took notes today. Oh, look at this. All I right. One hey, note. Flex that paper. Let, let people hear it. I have, <laughs> I have one note on this game. Okay. Do not pick against Tom Brady. <laughs> 
Well, that's uh, that. That is. I'm not some, picking against that, them. That is just a rule that at this point is set in stone for me. I've watched. I've done this long enough. I've watched football long enough uh-huh. to know that if you just pick Tom Brady in the playoffs, and especially in the divisional round, where by the way he is nine and zero. Yeah. Like. <laughs> You are going to, at some point, either lose and say, hey, the other team was better. But most of the time, you're going to win, and you're probably going to end up with a Super Bowl. So as much as I like the Rams' defense, I really think that pass rush is performing at the top of its game right now. I don't think Tampa's offensive line is as good as advertised right now with Tristan Wirfs banged up and Ryan Jensen got dominated inside last week. Mm Mm-hmm. I just think, man, that Tom Brady's going to find a way to pull this thing off, and I trust Tom Brady more than I trust Matthew Stafford. So yeah, I'm with I'm you on that. I'm with you on that. Tom Brady, 5,316 yards, 43 touchdowns, almost matching his age at 44 years old in this matchup. He is as good as he has ever been. By the way, the craziest stat of the entire divisional playoffs. Okay. Tom Brady is older than every coach in the NFC. I, I saw that. That that was a bit stunning, actually. I'm like, <laughs> wow. All right. Well, except his head coach, obviously. The other three head coaches. Right. Yeah, because the whole deal with – and by the way, Bruce Arians, don't hit your players in the helmet. That was dumb. He, he, he said he's going to appeal that. I'm like, don't appeal it. Pay the 50 grand and move on. All right. Last one. And – uh, David James thinks this is going to be the game of the weekend, and it could be. Uh, it will be. You, oh, you think it will be? Okay. Yeah, the Buffalo be. Bills at the Kansas City Chiefs, the three versus the two seed in the AFC. This one, I think, similar to what we've already talked about, I, I think this whole weekend, I think all of these matchups, all of these matchups have a lot of intrigue. But now you get Josh Allen, one of the young studs. You already mentioned he's one of the in a top-tier elite passer, I feel like, against maybe the top passer in the league, and I'm including Tom Brady in that statement, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I know it doesn't come down just to quarterbacks, but in this matchup— It comes down to quarterbacks. It comes down to the quarterback they, play. This is, this is it. This is the best game of a weekend, and it's overhyped. Sure, but this should be, uh, to me, this is for who goes to the Super Bowl in the AFC. Because whoever wins this matchup, I'm picking them next week against the Titans or the Bengals. Patrick Mahomes, I'm going to do something stupid and say, I don't know if I buy last week's offensive explosion. The Steelers' corners have been pretty meh. they they, They were slow starting, there's no doubt about that. All year long. Until things broke open for them and, and got unmanageable for the Steelers, they, they were able to keep the Chiefs' passing game in front of them. The Bills' defense is much better. That said, I think it's going to be a shootout. I think I can see that. I think we get a lot of points here. But this is just my favorite, favorite stat of maybe ever. So last week, when the Bills played the Patriots, there is a, a statistic that measures how many yards are possible for you based on your drives and where drives start. Okay. It was 480 yards for the Buffalo Bills. How many yards did the Buffalo Bills have? 480? Yes. They got every yard available. They got every single possible yard they could have gotten. It is literally the most efficient game of football ever played last week. 
And there is a chance Josh Allen comes out and is bad Josh Allen because Josh Allen fluctuates massively. I don't know if anyone's noticed this quite yet or not, but he will have two or three weeks in a row where he looks otherworldly and then one week where he's got like a 50% completion percentage and looks terrible and throws three picks. Look at the Falcons game. I worry that bad Josh Allen could show up here, but I cannot pick against the quarterback that just had the perfect game Okay. And, and was the honestly the best quarterback performance of the entire year last week. That I, I can't pick against that. And I'm also a Broncos fan. And I uh, like there we go. Here I, comes the bias. And, and I like that <laughs> and I like Patrick Mahomes too much. And I don't like that about myself. I don't like that I respect Patrick Mahomes this much. So I've got to pick against him to keep myself honest at least once. I'm going Bills here. And I'm okay. going a high-scoring matchup. I think 49-48. Oh, jeez. You think it's like a legit shoot. All time. Okay. Okay, so so your picks, Eric, let me get correct. So Tennessee, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Buffalo. Those four, right? I'm going Bengals. I just wanted to argue for Ryan. Oh, you Tampa. are going Bengals. I am going no, Bengals. No, I'm making you pick Tennessee now. After you, Fine. Titans. <laughs> So I'm going. I got Packers, Bengals. That's my upset. I've, I've got the Bengals beating Tennessee. I've got t- Tampa Bay. I I'm with you. You don't pick against Tom Brady, especially in the divisional round. And then I'm going Kansas City. Uh, I think I-, I got too much of Andy Reid, the brain trust of Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, and Patrick Mahomes. They are special when they work together. And I, I think the pet, uh, Kansas City. But I'm with you. I-, I think it could be a shootout. There's absolutely no doubt about that. All right. So there you go. Our picks. Our uh, look ahead at the divisional round. Uh, we'll get more on this. From our good friend Lincoln Kennedy, he joins DJ and PK each week. He's been doing it all season long. He talked to David James on Thursday. We'll play that for you guys at the top of the 11 o'clock hour. Coming up next, we are going to get into technical fouls, rewarding people being stupid in sports and beyond. We'll get to all of that. It's still to come on the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. Shoes on your feet, that's a technical foul. And if you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Cause that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Personal foul, 69, offense. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome back to the Saturday Show. We are brought to you today by our friends over at Jimmy's Flowers. Valentine's Day is coming soon, my friends. Get the two dozen rose special from our friends at Jimmy's Flowers for just $49.99. They have stores in Bountiful, Layton, or Ogden, or you can order online at Jimmy, jimmysflowers.com. Make sure you order early. We all know that. That's our friends at Jimmy's Flowers. All right, time for technical fouls. Let's talk about some of the stupid things out there in sports. I'm going to start with one here, Eric. I got one that's sports related. I got one that's non-sports related. So we'll start with the sports related one. And this involves the NFL playoffs. Chiefs linebacker Willie Gay, who is, I believe he's been kind of a top backup. He hasn't, he started in some cases. He was arrested Wednesday night for property damage at an apartment in Overland Park, Kansas, about 20 miles away from Arrowhead Stadium. He was arrested at the home of his son's mother when he got into an argument with her. And what did he do? He broke a vacuum. Classic. Like most most people, I, I it wasn't there. Didn't somebody? Was it 
was it uh, what's the Broy quarterback's name? Wasn't it Broy quarterback? Who? What? Uh, <laughs> what's uh, what's his face? Uh, the yeah, oh, a team or something. It'll come to me. Colts backup a little while there. Colts Played at Ole Miss. Oh, you're talking about I'm Chad a, Kelly. Chad Kelly. Chad yes. Kelly. Wasn't didn't somebody beat Chad Kelly with a vacuum cleaner because he like stumbled yeah, it was into when he was, their house when he was in Denver? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That that whole this. But when Willie Gay got arrested, I actually because when you when it says domestic, like you're like okay, you fear the worst. And this is still not a good situation. Let me be very clear about that. But he broke a vacuum. It says uh, quote, no one was touched beyond the broken appliance, according to police. Uh, he was booked on a misdemeanor charge of of destruction of property of less than one thousand dollars. Uh, the damaged property included also a cell phone screen protector, a humidifier, and wall and trim around a door frame. So, uh, Willie Gay, prob- I think he, he posted Bond relatively quickly, and I fully expect he will be on the field tomorrow afternoon. That's just how the NFL works, and it, it is what it is. So, all right, so there's one technical foul, Willie Gay. Don't behave badly in front of your children first off, and come on, spare the, spare the vacuum cleaner. All right, Eric, what do you got for us? I have an audio uh, one. Ooh, audio. Look at you. Something I pulled from a Utah State game that I thought was pretty funny. Okay. (laughs) We we tend to make them better. Kevin Dorian's trying to check in the game without his jersey. First free throws up and good. We've... uh... Where's Trevin uh, Dorian? Uh, Did he have to go up the ramp? He left in the locker room there, Scotty. (laughs) Only one thing worse is when you leave your shorts. So, yes. Trevin Dorius tried to check into the game. Trevin Dorius tried he to check in. He pulled a Dwight in. Howard. He tried, yeah, tried to check into the Boise State uh, game on Thir- Thursday, Thursday night, night yeah. uh, without a jersey on and had, in fact, left the jersey in the locker room. Technical foul on him. How do you forget your jersey? It happens more often than you'd think. There have been some NBA players who have gotten to put shorts on underneath their warm-ups in, in game in history. Uh, I believe it was Dwight Howard forgot his jersey. He had to go back to the locker room and get his jersey. It's happened. So, uh, Trevin, yeah, uh, remember your jersey from now on, but at the same time, you're not alone in making that mistake. All right, I got one more before we go here, Eric. Um, we're going to go to Mexico here. Uh, a semi-trailer on Tuesday became the first victim of a new tire-popping system when it passed through a Mexico State toll plaza without paying the 162 peso, that's about $8 American uh, toll. 22 of the semi's tires were punctured after it passed through Las Americas toll plaza on the Circuito Exterior Mexiquense, oh man, I, Mexico State Outer Loop Road in Ecatepec without paying the toll, according to a report on Millennio Televisión. The semi traveled to travel on the punctured tires for eight more kilometers past the toll plaza before it was forced to stop. Pay the toll, dude. 22 tires. Hey, he kept on trucking. He did, and he was hell-bent on making not paying that toll, apparently. Eight kilometers, eight kilometers is That's what, a, four miles? Yeah. No, three or four miles? That's a little ways. Ten kilometers is 6.2 miles. Oh, actually, probably closer to five miles. Yeah. Oh, he made it a little That's ways. A little ways. So, yeah, so there you go. Um, in addition to having the vehicle's tires punctured, drivers who failed to pay the applicable toll now face fines of up to 8,500 pesos, which is a $415 American fine, and have to cover the cost of a tow truck if required, and... Anybody who has seen the big uh, rig haulers that have to tow uh, big rigs? 
that's a big old vehicle to get out there. So yeah, twenty two tires all in the same vehicle. So. Uh, technical foul to that semi-driver. All right, coming up next, we'll flip back over to the NFL for a little bit. Lincoln Kennedy joined uh, David James earlier this week. He joins DJ and PK in the morning each week to talk about what's going on in the NFL with the Las Vegas Raiders and when it's uh, college football season. He's also an analyst uh, for the Pac-12 Network. So he's going to weigh in on the divisional round, also the season that the Las Vegas Raiders had. We'll get to all of that. A quick reminder for you guys that our friends over at Mountainland Supply are our title sponsor here on the Saturday show. Love their patronage. You can find more, find out more about them and a location near you by going to mountainland.com. More in a moment right here on the Zone Sports Network.